We're going to continue our series this morning on the, the nine habits of an overcoming follower of Jesus Christ. And before we get into that, let's just review what an overcoming follower of Jesus Christ is. That is somebody who, who uh, you guys remember that, that toy back in, I think it was the 90s, and it was a little egg-shaped person with a face, and, 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 and they hit them and they'd, they'd, they'd wobble, they're called weebles. Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. That's what, a, that's what an overcoming follower of Jesus Christ is like. You know, we get hit, and we may, we may wobble, we may stumble, but we get right back up. You just can't keep us down because there's something on the inside of us that's, that's eternal. And something on the inside of us that is working its way out to bless everything around us, to bless everything uh, that we're involved in, to, to get God's, let's say instead of blessed, so easier words. God gets involved in everything around us for us. God gets involved in everything that we do and multiplies it. So, so when we say bless, that's what we're talking about, getting God involved in our lives and God involved in our families and God involved in our businesses, God involved in our community. And, and an overcoming follower of Jesus Christ has some certain habits in their life that it gives God access. Because we all know Christians, and maybe we've been Christians, maybe we are Christians, that are not overcoming. We're, we're always on the down. We're always seeing things like that glass is half empty, not half full. We don't have really a vision for a positive future. And because we don't have a vision for the positive future, what happens is in our heart, it becomes filled with negativity, not God, because God is not negative. And what comes out of our mouth is negative. And when it comes out of our mouth, that becomes the rudder of our life. And what we do is we follow our words. And if our words aren't full of grace, if our words aren't full of hope, if our words aren't full of strength, then our life won't be full of love and grace and hope and strength either. An overcoming follower of Christ puts the word of God first in their life. Everybody say first. They put the word of God first in their life. We put it first maybe in our mornings, but we put it first in our thoughts. It is the, it's the, it's the true line. It's the guideline for our lives. It's, it's the decision-making factor of our life. Secondly, we are constantly in prayer. An overcoming follower of Christ is we consider our ways. That means that we consider our paths of yesterday. Remember this? Because if we don't like where we're at, we have to realize we are here because of the choices we made yesterday. And if we keep making those same choices, we're going to end up in the same place. It's called the definition of insanity, I think Albert Einstein said, was to keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result. So we have to consider what did we do yesterday? What did we decide yesterday? And we do that through the word and through the leading of the Holy Spirit so we can change our tomorrow. And if we do that consistently, our tomorrows will change the direction or, or the trajectory of our life, which will change our destiny. In other words, when we get to heaven, what will we report to God? We consider our ways. And number, number five, we are missional. No, number four, we're missional. Number five, we are generous. And number six, are you ready? This is the habit we're going to be discussing today. We attend church and we participate in the church community. Now, 
If you don't have steel toes on, you might want to put your feet up on the seat because you're going to get your toes stepped on during this whole message. And I really was dealing with God about this this morning. And I am just going to deliver the message that he has given me. I spent a lot of time studying this. So, uh, I mean, uh, more time probably than anything else because I know it's going to step on your toes. Everybody say, ouch. Okay, you don't need to say it again. Ouch. A lot of people attend church, but they don't participate in the church community. In other words, church has become an event. Church has become a function that they attend. And that is not what church is. Church is, of course, the body of Christ, but church is so much more than that. Church is a community. Church is an expression of Jesus Christ on the earth. Church is God come in the flesh today because God's spirit lives within us. Years ago, um, Pastor Needs and I were going overseas and we were, we were seeing people saved, and I mean, by the thousands. We, we got to some places where we had 60,000, 70,000 people a night in our events, and, and we, we led over a million people to the Lord in, in about 10 years. We've trained thousands of pastors, and, and we would come back over here, and you could just feel the joy over there. The darkness was in the city, and by the time we got done with the event, you could just feel the joy in the city. The whole city was lifted. And then we'd come back over here, and, and it seemed like the church was very um, inward, not outward. And the church was very selfish. I was not pastoring at this time. It seemed like, back then, it seemed like if you had a cell phone, a laptop, and a beeper, because they had beepers back then, if you had and a radar detector, well, you had it made, and, and you had to have two cars. And overseas, you know, we're dealing with people who don't even have shoes. But when they receive the message of Jesus Christ, there's joy in their life, and everything begins to change from, from their bodies to their minds to their communities, everything. Because if you want to change the world around you, you have to start by changing you. And it was so so wonderful to watch that happen but it seemed like when we came back to the states the church was interested in what can you do for me what can what can what what can you teach me what can you feed me how can you help me and and that's good but the church has a mission and if we're just attending church and not being the church i wouldn't be surprised if we don't have another covid not saying that God would put COVID on us, but something where we wouldn't be able to, to come together so we could start being the church again. We are the church. Say that, we are. We don't go to church, although that is a function of the church. Now, let me explain, guys. The word church in the New Testament is the word ecclesia. And the word ecclesia just simply means, this is what the word meant when Jesus used the word church. A regularly summoned legislative body, an assembly. That is what the word meant in the year that Jesus used it. It was an assembly that came out into a public place. 
It was, it was an, a, a consistent, regular thing. So I'm going to tell you now, beyond a shadow of a doubt, through studying the Word of God for 25 years, that you are not the church when you are at home by yourself reading your Bible and not part of a church community. You are not the church. That doesn't mean that Christ isn't in you. That doesn't mean that you're not going to heaven. But you are not what Jesus created and you are created you to be. And you are not doing what Jesus created you to be. Your Christianity is even more selfish than those churches we came back to when we came from overseas and compared the joy in the churches there and the joy in the churches here. Ow, everybody say ouch. What, what do you mean I'm not the church? Well, you're not. You're part of the church. Just like you're not the body of Christ. You're part of the body of Christ. And a part is never greater than the sum of the whole. You get the parts together and now you have something that can accomplish something that is good. I'll give you an example. We started doing five families um, a year where we would provide. Listen, when we provide Christmas, we not only provide the, the, the turkey and the, the cranberries and the, and the stuffing, we provide the gifts, and those gifts are personalized for each one of the children. And sometimes there's five and six children. And there's gifts for the mom and the dad, and they're wrapped. There's nothing that they have to do. We, what we do is we don't even, we don't even let them know that the, when the school picks it out. The school picks out the person, the school organizes, so the school becomes part of the process. Now, this year we're going to do at least 10, but, you know, if you think about that, that, that takes several hundred dollars for each family, and, and you guys can participate in that. But, see, together we can do more. Together we can reach more. If it were just you, you might be able to do one extra family, maybe, maybe a half a family, but together, we, can, we could probably do 20 to 25 families. If we, if we pool our resources together, we pull our labor together, that means somebody's got to go out and shop. A lot of the ladies have fun doing that. Somebody's got to go out and shop, and then somebody's got to pack, and then somebody's got to sort, and somebody's got to deliver. See, that's a lot of work, but together we can do it. Everybody say together. If you're not together with the body of Christ, then you are not part of the church. Let me put it this way. You're not functioning as part of the church. God created you in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared in advance to do. And 99% of those works are going to be with the church. And you may say to yourself, well, we don't do much outreach around here. You want to know why? I'm not even going to answer it. We will do it, praise the Lord, but we have to start being the church. Now, now do, you, do you notice a tone that I have right now? This is because I watched this for 15 years in, uh, as an evangelist, and I was so irritated with the, I'm not irritated with you. I'm irritated with the, the several million people in the state of Iowa that call themselves Christians and they only attend a church. 
and they're not, they're not helping people. They're not adding value to people. They're not giving of their time. They're not giving of their resources. They're not working together to do something with one vision as a body should. And several years ago, before we started pastoring, this would be 2009, 2010, I had some conversations with the Lord, and this is what Jesus told me. Because I, I would talk like this, but I would not restrain myself. And Jesus said to me, he said to me very plainly, he said, stop tearing down with your tongue what I am trying to build. Jesus is the builder of the church. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 17, Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because he said, who do men say I am? And they said, you're this and that. And Peter said, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon of Jonah, for this was revealed to you, not by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, that's the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it i will give you the who the church the keys to the kingdom and whatever you the church bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven jesus is the founder and the builder of the church Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. Jesus is the foundation of the church. We are part of his body. Yes, we're talking, there's a church universal. That's what God is doing throughout the earth. We're talking about the local church. We're talking about the government of God. We're talking about how God does things in this earth. There are no lone rangers in the church. Well, there are no successful overcoming followers of Jesus Christ that are operating as lone rangers that are part of the church universal. Does that make more sense? See, if God created you in advance to do good works... And, he, and Jesus formed the church, and then in Ephesians 4, Jesus gave certain gifts to the church to prepare them to do the work that he prepared in advance. And if you, if you delight yourself in the Lord and seek him first, he's going to give you the desires of your heart. I wish you would understand as much as I understand that when you begin to do what he created you to do in the church, then the desires of your heart come, and the joy comes, and the fulfillment comes, because that's what Jesus created created you to do, recreated you in Christ Jesus to do good works that the apostle and the pastor and the teacher and the evangelist and the prophet perfect you to do. And as we do them as a church, when we reach this point of unity, working together, there is fulfillment and there is maturity. But the church is full of babies who want, not you, other churches, then maybe it's the person to the left of you, not the person to the right, but people who just want to come to church and don't want to participate and don't don't want to give and they don't want to labor they're takers they're takers there's give me give me give me my name is jimmy there's still a child in christ because maturity doesn't come with age maturity comes with practicing the word of god and following the holy spirit and discipline you could be in the church 30 years and not even be a, 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 a beyond a toddler yet what do you mean because a toddler just takes 
A toddler says, well, that's mine because I like it. A toddler says, if I laid it down an hour ago, it's still mine. If you're having fun with it, it's mine. If I like what you have, it's mine. If it's broken, it's yours. And that's the way most of the people in the body of Christ are. They're toddlers. They're saying, feed me, Seymour, feed me. Feed me. Care for me. Love me. Encourage me. But don't you dare rebuke me. Don't you dare correct me. Well, you're going to remain a toddler. So today's message may be a little harsh, but it is the truth. It is the reality. If we're not functioning together as one, if we're not coming together with common goals, remember that the word ecclesia Jesus used here is a regularly summoned, summoned legislative, legislative body. It is an assembly. And we function as one in vision and in purpose. We may do multiple things, but we're functioning as one under vision and and purpose. Praise the Lord. Say this good preaching. Jesus is the founder and builder, the cornerstone of the church. Jesus builds the church. And Jesus said, The gates of hell will not overcome the church. I have watched this for 30-some years. I've watched people who get born again and they don't hook up to a church. They don't even attend a church. And they are overcome consistently. They are knocked down consistently. They are, they are beaten down consistently. And there's, their, their only hope is that they die and go to heaven. And that's the reward because their life is so miserable. Because Satan is killing them and stealing from them and destroying them. But when you're hooked into the church, and you're serving in the body of Christ and you're participating in the community of the church, there is victory in your life. You become an overcoming follower of Jesus. I'm not trying to get something out of you besides unbelief. This is one of those messages that you walk away and you say, ouch. This is one of those messages that I'm going to walk away from and I say, ouch, even as a pastor. Because I tend to, listen, my failing is, my failing is that I tend to do things by myself because God just built me in a way that I don't need nobody. Well, you know, emotionally, of course I do. But, but no, I'm, if I, God tells me to do something, I'm going to do it. I, you know, once I hear from God, confer with men no longer. But, but you know, I, I've also got to act as a pastor, and I've got to lead us, and I've got to communicate, and I've got to let you guys lead, and I've got to, you guys make mistakes, and you guys step out there and begin to do the things that God is calling us to do so that we can begin to at least change this neighborhood and eventually change this city. Can I get an Amen. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus spoke about the church. Are you ready for this? I want you to, I want you to take everything that you know about the New Testament and just put it in a little corner in your mind right now. I don't want you to filter anything through that. I want you to hear this for the first time. New information. Don't try to integrate it with the old information. Jesus spoke of the church. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John were written for the church. 
plainly stated. The book of Acts was written about the churches. Every single one of the epistles, Romans through Jude, were written to the church. And finally, the book of Revelation was written to the churches. And everything that's in those books is not individually to you. We take the promises as if they're personal, but you have to put in this, you have to put in this because it's a foundation. Every single thing in the New Testament is written to the church. It's written to a group of people that regularly come together and act as a body to do ministry for the Lord and to serve for the Lord and to serve one another and to encourage one another. Are you hearing me this morning? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me was written to the church. The church in Philippi. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That was written to the church. Yes, you can take that personally. But it's written to the church. The correction is written to the church. When you begin to filter the word of God, the New Testament, through that parameter, guess what? Your whole world will begin to change. Because you're not alone. And if you just come to church, if you just attend church, if, if you're not doing anything with the church, or you're not growing in the church, or you're not in a small group, or you're not in a serve team, or you don't have a ministry that we're helping you with, listen, if you're doing that on your own, you're not going to have the promises of the church. And so you won't be an overcoming follower of Christ, because Christ is the head of the church, and if you're going to follow, you've got to be part of the church. God, was that loud? It's true, though. How can you follow him if you're not where he is? We might have to edit that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I really want to say it louder. Finally, the book of Revelations was written to the churches. That's why we are in what the, the theologians call the church age. But here's what's happened. A lie has come into the body of Christ that says that the part is just as great as the sum of the whole. Not true. You have so much value to God that he gave the life of his own son for you. You have so much value to God that he, he gave you a new spirit and put his spirit inside of you to seal you with that deposit. You have so much value to God that he laid down the, the, the law so that Jesus could find himself so he could become part of you. For the purpose of you becoming the church. No longer alone. Praise the Lord. How does the church work? Well, when we participate in the church community, we're coaching, we're mentoring somebody, we're helping somebody along. We're part of a small group that, that prays for us and encourages us. We eat together and, and we enjoy one another's presence. If your friends aren't part of the church, then you then you need to get your friends in the church. If the people that you hang out with the majority of the time are not in the church, then you're probably a hypocrite. No, I'm serious. 
If you don't fellowship with people in the church and you fellowship with people that are not part of the church, that's good if it's missional. But hold on. We, we eat together. We, we, we fellowship together. We do things together. I know that we're living in a world that says don't do things together. But that is not the model of the church. We function together. We serve together. Let me, let me, just, let me just read that. Our church is a family. Have you, have you, have you part of a fam- are you part of a family that doesn't do Christmas together? Doesn't that suck? Are you part of a family that doesn't do birthdays together? Isn't that sad? No, the church is a family that walks in love. The church is a family that walks in love. When we walk in love, then other people know that we're part of the church. That's what Jesus said. When we walk in love with one another, then people know we're part of the the church. Our Our church is a resource to us. Our church is a learning center. Our church is a support system. Our church is an extension of Jesus on the earth. Our church is a local branch of the kingdom of God. You get that? Together, guys, we are the church. We attend church together. We worship together. We learn together. We serve together. We minister together. We work together as one because together we can. Without each other, we can't. We can't be the church by ourselves. We can't be the church with just our family. You you don't have everything that you need. The church is made up of many, many parts. I'm talking about the local church. And when we start to understand that and we all give what out of our supply, the church is whole. It doesn't matter if you have 50 or 5,000. It works the same. Because God's in the equation. God always makes up the difference of what you don't have, whether you're 50 or 5,000. There are churches of 5,000 that don't operate as a church. They just operate as a lecture hall or a teaching place. The church is a functioning body that reaches the world together. The church is a functioning body that learns together. The church is a functioning body that serves together. The church is a functioning body that comes together for services. When did the church begin? Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves, verse 42. Let me explain. After Jesus' resurrection, John chapter 20, he walks walks through this door... And he's talking to his disciples. They're not born again yet. And he he breathes on them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Are you hearing me? He said, receive the Holy Spirit. At that point, God's Spirit went inside of their new spirits and they were born again. Now they could understand the scripture the book of Luke says. And then in the book of Acts, in the book of Luke at the end, Jesus said, now you wait into Jerusalem until you've been endued with power so you can do what the church is supposed to do. And in Acts chapter 2, here comes the power. Are you guys with me? 
verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. Wow. That's, that's what the church is supposed to be doing. Let me read that again. They devoted themselves to the teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, which means communion, and prayer. When we have a prayer meeting, guess how many people show up? Less than I have fingers. And that's usually with my whole family. Because you're not functioning as a church. And when we have communion service, which is a worship service, guess how many people show up? Because it's not Sunday morning. Well, I have fingers and toes. But hold on, when we have food, now, the breaking of bread. When, guess how many people are part of the small groups that are giving themselves to the teaching? Because when you hear something, you're only going to retain about 5% of it. And, and then if you begin, if you study it after that and you review it, you might gain another 10, 10%. But when you talk about it with other people, you're going to gain an 80% knowledge. In other words, you're going to retain that much more, up to 90% of what was ministered on Sunday. How many do you think are a part of this group? Well, not as many as should be. They give themselves to the teaching, to fellowship, that's eating together, like, hey, let's go to Smoky Row, to breaking of bread, that's communion. And it says in verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many signs and wonders performed by the apostles. All the believers were, what's that word, guys? Together. And they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to each other as they had need. Listen, I don't care about that part because you guys are going to put up a wall anyway there. Don't worry about that part. Let's just do the other parts, okay? But we should be, that's what we're going to do for the neighborhood and the kids in the neighborhood this Christmas. We are going to put together stuff that we have so we can supply the need of others. That, that's what the purpose is. So this is a great way to test whether or not you're going to be part of the church. Maybe, maybe, maybe you want to give a little money, you want to go shopping for one of the families. Maybe, maybe you want to give one of the money, you want to wrap the, wrap the gifts. Maybe you want to give the money and, 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 and you want to put the food together for them. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone as they had need. Every day, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. That, that, that's where their services were. Since COVID, the, the average person comes to church every other week. And these guys were meeting together every day. 
They met together in the temple, temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate, that's communion. And they ate together with sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I want you to see this. Together they were in public, together they were in the temple, together they were in ministry, together they, they put their resources, and together they, they were in purpose. Together we can. Attending church is only one function of being the church. And to be honest with you, you're not going to hear me talk this way very often, but every single one of you should be doing something every week for the church, with the church, ministering to other people through the church. Every one of you should. And I'll take that, I'll take the blame from this Sunday back as being my fault. I'll say that I didn't give you the opportunity I didn't communicate to you. We got a team that's being put together that will be communicating from this point on. If you want to do something, get a hold of the team. Don't get a hold of me. Get a hold of the team. And you could do something. I mean, I know there are several of you in here. I, I, if I just call and I say, hey, we need this. You're there. You're, you're Johnny on the spot. You got it. I know that. It's good to have some of those people. But there also should be, I should, I should actually, if I were in the office throughout the week, I should see everybody at least once. Doing something. I'm not talking about just this building, but this is the center of where it comes out of. I want you to understand something. The church was first. Jesus talked about the church before the church was. And guess what? The church existed before Christians did. Oh, get your nasty religious spirit off yourself and open up your dang ears. The church existed before Christians did. It says in, in Acts chapter 11, verse 25, Then Barnabas went to Taurus to look for Saul, and he found him when he brought him to Antioch. So Antioch, that's the church in Antioch. So the whole year Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were first called Christians there in Antioch. Going to church is part of being a Christian. If you want to be an overcoming Christian, then make it part of your week and make it part of your lifestyle. You know, I'm not telling you how much to give in time or whatever, but you know the most valuable asset you have is time. And God knows that. And guess what people need the most? Your time. Usually they just need your ear. Now sometimes they need, they need you to, to help them with other things. And, and how can you give what you don't have? So God puts in the church pastors and teachers and prophets and apostles and evangelists to prepare you so you could do good works. And this, this is, I'm just trying to explain to you what the church is. The church is not a building. This is, this is a building we're restoring so that we could be the church. So we could come together in a place, a central place that we could have an outpouring from. 
We have people every day of the week that come here that want something. I mean, you don't know when they're coming. You don't know, you don't know what they want, but they knock on the door and there they are. But we don't have enough people to help them. We've got an entire, an entire neighborhood down here that's bigger than 70% of the towns in Iowa. That, that Oak Ridge community is bigger than 70% of the towns in Iowa. And there are so many needs. Those kids need mentored. Those kids need help. As a matter of fact, we're working with them right now to get a Best Buy grant so we can turn the filling station into a tech center for the junior high and high school kids so they can begin to learn how to do things and working in, c- c- together with them. And we'll need people to do that. We have needs right here. But since COVID, we haven't functioned as a church. We've just attended church. I'll take the blame for that. Since COVID, we just came and we listened. We got used to just hooking up online. There's the message. Great, that's what being a church is. No, that's not what being a church is. You are the church. And so you need to be that extension of Jesus on the earth. You need to be God come in the flesh for somebody. Somebody needs to wrap their arms around Jesus. Somebody needs Jesus to bring bring them some groceries. Somebody, somebody needs to see some love from Jesus. And you're going to be the only Jesus they ever meet. Until they meet him. The church is the pillar of truth. Are you ready for this? In 1 Timothy 3.15, uh, Paul, Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy, If I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God. The pillar and the foundation of the truth. Now, I realize you could have a pastor that gets off. But when you have a pastor that's that's being led by the word and by the spirit, you will find that truth flows out of that church. And when a pastor quits preaching the word of God, guess what doesn't flow from that pulpit? And guess what doesn't flow from that church? Truth. And deception comes in. And pretty soon a church is celebrating the things that God says we should not do. And pretty soon morality changes. And pretty soon God's word is not inspired anymore. It's just a nice book. The church is the foundation and the pillar of the truth. And I could get really upset, not with you guys at all, but with the majority of the denominational churches that are out there that are accepting things and ordaining, ordaining people who are living in a lifestyle of sin that should not be because they're no longer the pillar of truth. And therefore, our whole nation is being turned upside down morality-wise and every other way. The church cannot condone what the scripture condemns. The church cannot put a stamp of approval upon people who live a lifestyle that is contrary to the word of God. The church has the responsibility to be the pillar of truth in the world. 
And it may get to the point in the United States where talk like this will cause the IRS to come and take away your 501c3 status. And then we'd have to start paying taxes on all the properties. So what? God is my God. We have to preach the word with integrity. And if we don't do it from the pulpit, you won't do it out there. And we understand that God loves the world. But there isn't salvation for the world outside of Christ. And when you come to Christ, he asks you to begin to change your conduct and behavior. And he'll deal with each one of you personally. And when it's not happening, then the pastor is supposed to say... Your people in your small group are supposed to say, do you realize that this is not in line with the integrity of the scripture? It's something you probably should change in your life. The church is the, the pillar and the foundation of the truth. Why is that? Because Jesus is the head. Jesus is the word. He's the word come in the flesh. He's the head and, and we are the body. The problem is we've got, we've got a thumb out here by itself not hooked into a hand. We've got an ankle over here and a foot over there and a calf over there and a knee over here. But they won't come together even once a week. And so there's no, there's no truth, there's no power, and there's no authority. All right, praise the Lord. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. And God placed all things under his feet, Jesus, and appointed him, Jesus, to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. Now, that is the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. I want you to hear something. He's in heaven. The church is here. If the earth is going to have the expression of Christ, the church needs to act as a body. And we'll never act as a body until local churches begin to act as a body. He's the head. We're the body. What good is the body if it's not together? I've been, I, I, I was very fortunate this week. I got, a, I got a, last week I got a, a nice buck, a couple of those. And, I, and I've been putting them from the garage into the freezer. And do you know what? They don't go into the freezer until they come apart. Until I take the bones out. And, and, you know, the roast and all those kind of things. Well, you know what? That freezer is not going to get up and run to the cornfield, is it? That, that freezer is, isn't going to go run and get a drink of water out of a pond, is it? That's really what the church has been, especially since COVID. We, we've been in our own little freezers. Separ we're all separated. But we say, I'm the body of Christ. I, 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 I'm, I'm the expression of God on the earth. God works through me. But they forget. The word of God says, where two or three are gathered, there I am. That's written to the church. If y'all don't come together, at least two or three of you can. And I'm going to be there. Remember, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were written for the church. The book of Acts was written about the church. Uh, the Romans through Jude were written to the church. And the book of Revelations was written to the churches. 
So everything that you read in there, you have to filter through that. 1 Peter 2, 4 says this. As you come to Jesus, living stones, you're a living stone because his spirit is in you, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you are also like living stones. Say, I'm a living stone, not a rolling stone, you're a living stone. Are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are living stones. You're being built together to create one structure that by God's spirit lives in. So that we could go out and do the work which is the acceptable sacrifice. We're over there in the corner of the forty. Little bitty stone saying, I'm a stone, I'm a stone, God lives in me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but you don't do anything. Because we're not functioning as a church. We're not allowing him to build us together. Can I get an amen? Can I get an oh me? Oh my. Ephesians 2, 19. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, also members of his household. Well, you got to be built into the household. You know what? To be built in the household, you got to be at the household every now and then. And if you're going to function, you gotta cut, you got to do that with the household. Because apart, you can't do much. Come on, you know that. You can't do much apart. But when we come together, what does the Bible say? One can turn 10,000, two can turn 10,000. Are you hearing me? There's a multiplying effect because God gets involved. That's why where there's two or three gathered together in my name, he's talking to the church. He's there also. And then he begins to work with you. I'm not devaluing your, your relationship with God. What I'm devaluing, what I'm trying to get you to see, is without working within the confines of the government of God, which is the church on the earth, we're not going to be doing what he asked us to do, what he cre created us to do. We could do good things, but we're not going to function as a church. We're not going to be able to do much. But together we can do a lot. First Corinthians 12, 13. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so to form one body. Thumb over there, ankle over there, kneecap up, up in Perry. But we were, we were baptized in one spirit to form one body. Whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, we're, we are given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made of one part, but many. And once you come to Christ, here's what you're going to find. He's going to draw you to a church. I, I remember when I rededicated my life to Christ, there was a particular church. And God drew me to that church. And I remember I went there three times and they didn't have the name of, or the time of the service on there. The internet wasn't a big thing back then. So I had to go, like, I, I went at 8 o'clock, I went at 9 o'clock, and I went at 10. They were finally open at 10. 
But I mean, for two weeks, God kept drawing me to that church, and I didn't know why, because I came, because I rededicated my life. The first thing he did was he drew me to a church, and the first thing he'll do to you is he'll draw you to a church, to a God-giving, life-giving, word, of, word, Bible-believing, spirit-filled church. And then it's up to you to get involved. It's up to you to press your way in. If you're waiting for somebody to ask you, honey, this is it. We're baptized into one body. We all form one body. But we're made up in many parts. And that's the cool thing about it. Listen, don't, please don't preach, teach like me. You'll drive people away. Be yourself. You've got gifts that I don't have. You've got strengths that I don't have. You've got resources that I don't have. The person next to you has resources you don't have. They have abilities you don't have. They have experiences that you don't have. Together we form one body. But if one part is out here, they just, they just come and then they don't do anything. Guess what? What happens? The church lacks. And we can't do in that area what we should be able to to do. 1 Corinthians 12, 26, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you together are the body and each one of you are a part of it. Romans 12, 3. For it is by grace given me that I say to every one of you, don't think more highly of yourselves than you ought. You're just a stone. Probably out there, I'm speaking to some stones that aren't even alive. You're a living stone. You're, you're supposed to be being built by the Lord because Jesus builds the church. Don't think of yourself more highly than that with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of you has one body with many members, and these members don't have the same function, so in Christ, though, Many form one body, and each member belongs to the other. That's kind of like a marriage, isn't it? And what happens when one person in the marriage refuses to participate, communicate, give of their resources and time? The marriage breaks down, doesn't it? That's why when you hurt, I hurt. You don't probably understand that. But as pastors, we hurt more than... Well, here's the problem. If you're part of the church and somebody else is hurting and you don't hurt, you might be a stone out there in the middle of the field just coming to church every now and then. When somebody rejoices in the congregation, we, we get happy. Now, I wasn't raised in a family that you really celebrate things like that, but I'm learning that you got to communicate. Hey, I'm happy for you. Praise the Lord. That's good. When you get something that it comes in as a promise from God and it's fulfilled, I celebrate with you because we belong to each other. And you could take this thing even farther. We belong to that church over there and we belong to that church over there and we belong to that church up there. Are you guys hearing me? One last scripture, Hebrews 10, 23. 
let's hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let's consider how we spur one another on toward love and good deeds. There's that deed thing again, guys. Well, if you don't get anything out of this this week, but, um, but this. When you come back in next Sunday, why don't you just take a little bit of a, an evaluation of what you, what you did this week. What was, what was your good deeds that you did this week? Did you, did you do them all on your own or did you do them in conjunction with the church? Remember, you, if you could do something by yourself, that's good. But, you know, you get two or three of you together, now you've got a compounding effect. You could do some great things. So if you don't get anything else out of this, just when you come back in those doors next week, I want you to say, what did I do last week that was a good deed? How did I add value to somebody else? And let's consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not meeting not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as the day approaches. Now, I don't know how prophetic you guys are, but if you just went by the signs of the time, I think there's a little more to it than that, but if you just went by that, Jesus could probably show up tomorrow. We've got some work to do before that, but. So the harder it gets, the darker it gets, it's time to run into the light. The more deception is, it's time to run into the truth. The lonelier it gets, it's time to run into the body that has unity and fellowship. It's not, it's not time to, to hole up not time to just you and God at the kitchen table. I mean, that's, that's good. You need to do that, but come on. You were created in Christ Jesus to be part of the church. The church is the government of God. The authority of Jesus Christ has been given to the church. The power of God is released by faith through the church. The church judges its members. And we, the church, will judge the world. The church is the bride of Christ. We attend church together. We worship together. We learn together. We serve together. We minister together. We work together as one. Because together we can. Our church is a resource. Our church is a learning center. Our church is a support system. Our church is an extension of Jesus. Our church is a local branch of the kingdom of God. And our church is a family. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message. I just pray that you take the sting out of it where it shouldn't be and put the sting in it where it should be. Let this message begin to work in our hearts so we can begin to function 
here on earth as the kingdom of God, as your body. Lifting others, adding value to others, leading others to you, and teaching them how to follow you. With your eyes closed, if you're here this morning and you need to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, I just want to pray with you. So just lift your hand up if that is you. Or if you're watching this morning and you need to give your life to Jesus, just lift up your hand right there. And those of you that did, put your hand on your heart. Let's pray this together. Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father I do believe in you. I believe you raised your son Jesus from the dead. I believe you raised your son Jesus from the dead. Today I make him the Lord of my life. Today I make him the Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'll serve you for the rest of my days. For the rest of my days. To the best of my ability. To the best of my ability. And lead me to the church. In Jesus' name.